This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. It's good to see everybody. A lot more people in here than we're in 930. 11's becoming like our busy service, so um, good stuff. So today we are going to do one whole book of the Bible. You can go home and go, we went through a whole book. I chose the smallest book, or one of the smaller books. So we're going to go through Obadiah. Um, So let let me say this, give you a couple little things here to get started. So one, I do not need a long line of people after I preach this that say, Pastor Bill, why were you speaking to me the whole time? Uh, Because that's not the case. I'm not looking at you specifically. um, Because this book is on pride. And whether you realize it or not, it is the root of your sin. Uh, And it's something that we all struggle with. And the the book is just a great book. It's, uh, what do we got, 21 verses, I think? Yeah, 21 verses. It's just a chock-full book that we're going to walk through together. Um, and, I'm, and I'm looking forward to it. But I'm not looking forward to starting the way I have started the last two services, and that is with a prideful story of my own life. So, but I really do believe, and I, I mean this, one of the ways that we show pride in our lives is when we're not vulnerable with others. So when we hold all these things in and we don't want to share the story of kind of how God has redeemed us and given us victory. So in the first service where Alethea and Paul are sitting and Rachel, that's where Michelle sat. So if I look at you twice, it's probably because I keep forgetting that Michelle's not there. So one of the most prideful stories of my life was probably happened about six or seven years ago. And Michelle and I were struggling. We were not really connected real well in our marriage, even uh, so we were soon going to be celebrating 27 years. We just had hit this bump where uh, I'd say if if I said the sun was coming up, she'd say, no, it's going down. If I said it's black, she said it was white. And we were were just button heads. And so we had this one argument this one day, and I went to work at the time. And again, not, not, not excited to tell you this story, but, you know, it could show you how pride really can grab a hold of you. So as I was driving to work, I was thinking to myself, you know what, I'm gonna show her. I'm not gonna talk to her, because I know I'm right. And I got this like 14-year-old mentality of like, I don't know, I just got caught in my prideful ways. What's interesting is, looking back, the pride was very, very small, but it just flourished into this fire that became almost destructive in our marriage. And praise the Lord after about two or three days when she finally went, so is there something wrong? Um, I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong. And then we were able to talk it out. But I I was, I'm not that person. I've never been that person. If anything, you got to get me to shut up. But for some reason, pride had kind of just worked its way in at a point in our marriage And, you know, I I look at Ephesians 4 where it says, don't let the sun go down or Satan will get a foothold. I think that's what was happening. Satan was just getting that foothold and just digging and digging and digging. And I became more and more prideful, like even into the point of, I remember it happening and kind of going, 
I feel like I can't get out of this for some reason. And it was so odd. Well, I think we're going to see that in what Edom was doing and why Obadiah, why God had Obadiah write this book. And because it really is a, just a great, great look at pride. Um, so what does the world say about pride? Well, anybody wants to, you can Google pride. Uh, and this is what came up. Pride, a feeling of deep pleasure uh, or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, or from qualities or possessions that we are widely admired. This is what Webster's dictionary said. A reasonable and justifiable feeling of being of self of worthwhile, self-respect, a feeling of being better than others. Well, that is interesting. So as Matt has really tried to work with us as a staff, he lovingly, humbly leading us to, well, Bill, is that your opinion or is that a biblical opinion? So when we're talking about pride, I can give you some thoughts on it, but what really matters is what does the Bible say? So that's what we're going to learn about in, uh, in Obadiah, is he's going to, we're going to be taught that idea of what is pride. So pride was the root of Satan's rebellion against God. We learn in Isaiah 14, 14, Satan said, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. How often do we do that same thing? So God dealt with Satan the way he did. And now Satan takes that same prideful attitude and he attacks Adam and Eve. And he says to Adam and Eve, specifically to Eve, eat of the fruit. Why would God, uh, this idea of, that God is a hoarder, not a rewarder. Why would God keep those things from him? If you eat of the fruit, you'll be just like God. How often do we say things like, I just, I just want to have the mind of God. I want to be able to know what's going on and things like that. So Satan used it that way. It says in Proverbs 16, 18, that pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. So as we get ready to dive into Obadiah, I want to give you this phrase that I'll probably say at least five or six times to you all today, but Edom's pride is our pride. Let me say that again to you. Edom's pride is our pride. So who is Obadiah? Well, his name means servant of Jehovah. And we really don't know a lot about him, but we do know that the book of Obadiah was probably written somewhere in the 600 to 580 BC. Scholars have, much smarter than me, have argued about, well, what's the specific date? I think what's more important to us really today is that the focus of Obadiah is Edom and that God is not happy with Edom and their prideful, sinful ways. So let's look at who is Edom and what do we know about them. So I'm going to paraphrase because we're short on time today. I'm going to try to do this in a couple minutes, but if you would like, if you want to go home this week and read through Genesis 25 through Genesis 36, it'll give you a, a really good, deep, rich history of what happens. But I'm going to try to tell it to you in a two-minute Reader's Digest version of a story. Isaac was the son of Abraham, who married Rebekah, 
They wanted children. They had two babies, twin boys. Esau, he was the hairy one. And then you have Jacob. Esau grew up as the hunter. Jacob was the quiet man. And one day Jacob decided to cook some stew. And Esau gave up his birthright to eat that stew. He was that hungry. Now here's where the story gets even stranger. And I said it sounds a little bit like the real housewives of Israel. So at this point, Isaac is getting much older. He can't see. And because of that, Esau goes out to hunt for him, gather food. While he was gone, Rebekah plots to get Jacob the blessing, the blessing that Isaac was going to give to Esau. He wants Jacob to get it. They proceeded to fool Isaac by putting on Esau's clothes, putting on goat hair on his neck and his arms so that he was, seemed hairy to Isaac. Rebekah cook, uh, finished cooking the stew. They took the stew. Jacob took the stew to Isaac. Isaac felt, seemed like it was Esau, and he proceeded to give that blessing to Jacob. Esau comes in, finds out what happens, and is angry. And Jacob, seeing the anger in Esau, decides to flee. So we move forward in our story to Genesis 33, and we see that Jacob and Esau meet back up. Esau comes with 400 men, and you think this one's going to go down like smackdown on television, right? You think it's going to be some kind of deep, heavy battle. But instead, they have this moment. This moment, you could say, maybe of reconciliation. So God names Jacob Israel, and he has 12 sons. Everything seems fine, and then we move forward to Genesis 36. And here's what's important, uh, the important part of our story. What takes place is what Isaac had already warned Jacob about in Genesis 28, and that was not to marry any Canaanite women. And look how the descendants of Esau began. We see in verse 2, Esau took his wives from the women of Canaan. So right there is where that proceeds to start to fall. So it begins the downfall of Esau and Edom. And there is our background of Obadiah. Uh, there, there's our background of Edom. So let's, let's look at Obadiah. What I'd like you all to do is, if you have your Bibles or you've got it on your app, we're going to look at the first four verses. And let me, let me remind you before we jump into Scripture... Edom's pride is our pride. Okay, Obadiah 1 through 4. This is the vision of Obadiah. This is what the Lord has said about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us go to war against her. Look, I will make you insignificant, insignificant among the nations. You will be deeply despised. Your arrogant heart has deceived you. You who live in clefts of the rock, in your homes on the heights, who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you seem to soar like an eagle and you make your nest among the stars, even from there, I will bring you down. This is the declaration of the Lord. So the first thing we look at is this idea of defense. Edom had a defense that they even were like, well, who can bring me down to the ground? That's not a good start. I would say to you, where are your defenses? Where have you built your house in a cave or in a cleft in the rock thinking, 
I'm untouchable. What's the Lord going to do to me here? I think at times, especially in a financial time that we are in our country, I think we are surprised as our 401ks are taking a dive down or our savings accounts or whatever it is. We're starting to question what is going on. Is your defense in those types of things? Everything seems very, very fine. We find our self-worth maybe even in how our kids perform on stage or how they perform at a sporting event. Look at me. Look at how good I am. Look at how I have it all together. Just go on social media. Nobody, I know people are starting to do it now, but generally nobody's posting the morning picture with uh, in the PJs not even having the cup of coffee yet, right? We post the stuff where the hair is looking good. We got the right clothes on. Think about Edom's pride is our pride. Edom had put its faith in all the things that would fade away and openly and defiantly declared its independence from God. Where are you doing that same thing? We don't have enough time. I'd love to sit with each one of you for about an hour and we could unpack that. But that's not going to work. It's probably however many in here. We'd be here for a few days. That's for you. That's for you to be praying about and thinking about this week. Where have you put your hope and faith in defenses similar to Edom? So let's look at Obadiah 5 through 7. So if the thieves came to you, if marauders by night, how ravaged you would be. Wouldn't they steal only what they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, wouldn't they leave some grapes? How Esau will be pillaged, his hidden treasures searched out. Everyone who has a treaty with you will drive you to the border. Everyone at peace with you will deceive and conquer you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you. He will be, in, he will be unaware of it. That's the part that's even harder you will be unaware of it. Even your allies, your friends, your family, you name it. Edom had thought that their allies were going to keep them secure. But just four years after the Babylonians had raided Jerusalem, they came back to overthrow Edom. Think about the allies that you have uh, partnered yourself with. So maybe you feel like You've got a strong relationship with your boss at work and you love your job. Like, this is the best. I'm good. The Lord won't tear this down. I thought that when I was at uh, the job I was at before, but because of COVID, they got rid of my position across the country. And I remember saying to Michelle, we just have to hang on. Let's see what the Lord will do. And praise the Lord, he brought me here. Only by God's grace. The people of Edom had thought their event, that their allies were perfect. We've surrounded ourselves with the right people. We're going to be left alone. Again, we put our hope at times in our allies. Uh, allies. Maybe even we put our hope in political parties or, or organizations we're with. God is where we are to put our trust. It is in and through God we will see the riches, not through man. So let's look at Obadiah 8 through 9. And the third, third part that Edom puts their hope in. 
In that day, this is the Lord's declaration. Will I not eliminate the wise ones of Edom and those who understand from the hill country of Esau? Temin, your warriors, will be terrified so that everyone from the hill country of Esau will be destroyed by slaughter. What we see here is that Edom thought their, wo- their wisdom would preserve them. Wisdom. We often think that we have it all figured out. That uh, I think at times we can be really unteachable. My father on his deathbed, and I mean honestly on his deathbed, uh, about four weeks prior to him dying, uh, we had a moment. A friend of mine and I had walked up to mom and dad's house. Dad was laying in bed. My dad was fighting renal cell cancer. And, the, and honestly, the last moment we really got with him, they, uh, hospice talks about this, where somebody will get, like, they're on their deathbed and they will get this energy in them. And dad sat up. He was telling us stories. Man, we were laughing. It was, oh my gosh, just an amazing memory. But as dad started to lose that energy, he called me over to his bed and he called my friend and we walked over to the bed and dad said to me, he said, William, never think that you have arrived. And those are the last words he ever said to me. Never think that you have arrived. And what he was saying was, be teachable, be willing to continue to learn. Life is a journey be continuing to learn, and never think that you've got all the wisdom and you got it all figured out. What a prideful thing that Edom had done. But Edom's pride is our pride. We all struggle with the same thing. We all struggle with that we think that our wisdom is the right wisdom, and it's, it can be tough for us. Psalm 138.6 says, Though the Lord is on high, He looks down upon the lowly, but the proud... I'm sorry. He looks upon the lowly, but the proud He knows from afar. I don't want the Lord to be far from me. I have found that when I walk by myself, or as, as I'm thinking I'm walking by myself, it doesn't go that well. So let's look at Obadiah 10, 10 through 14. You will be covered with shame and destroyed forever because of violence done to your brother Jacob. On the day you stood aloof, on the the day strangers captured his wealth, while foreigners entered his city gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were just like one of them. Do not gloat over your brother in the day of his calamity. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction. Do not boastfully mock in the day of distress. Do not enter my people's city gate in the day of their disaster. Yes, you. Do not gloat over their misery in the day of their disaster and do not appropriate their possessions in the day of their disaster. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off their fugitives and do not hand over their survivors in the day of distress. God is telling Edom, you did this, violence against your brother, You stood and watched and looked down on your brother. You took advantage of your brother's misfortune. You boasted in their trouble. You seized their wealth when they were vulnerable. You stood by and waited. 
the vision that came to my mind when I was reading this, because I'm a, I like to visualize kind of some of this stuff. I think of like how sports has really moved into this idea of like if I intercepted a pass or dunked on somebody like guys standing over top of other people. I think that's, that's the vision that I had. Edom really, <laughs> God was not happy with Edom at all. Psalm 137.7 says this, Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Pride starts with attitudes and then moves to action. Let me say that again. Pride starts with an attitude and it moves into action. So in that disagreement that Michelle and I had, I started to have the attitude of, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm better than you. You with me? And that moves into action. Attitude, then it moves into action. We see this occur many times in the Bible. One example is with Cain and Abel. Cain's pride was hurt. He became angry. God even warned him against his pride. Cain didn't listen to God's counsel, and he allowed his attitude of pride to fill him. And as a result, he moved into action and killed his brother. So what is God's takeaway for us in these first 14 verses? It goes back to what Jesus told us, and that is really the only commandment that Jesus, when when he was asked, he said, really the only commandment that matters is love God and love others. Let me tell you something. Think about what I'm saying here. When you are full of pride, you can't hear correctly. When you are full of pride, it changes your mindset. When you are full of pride, you think of yourself better than others. When you are full of pride, you think that your sin is less than maybe somebody else's, that their sin is worse than yours. When you are full of pride, you can't think clearly. When you are full of pride, you at times think that you are God. This is why God detests pride and a prideful heart. What does he call us to do? And again, the way scripture works, God's going to tell you this is what you struggle with. Here's what you need to do. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called, to be, uh, are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal, heal their land. land. We need to communicate with the Lord. We, we need to be humble before the Lord and we need to seek his face. We need to turn from those wicked ways. Stop doing what we've always done. And lastly, we need to remember that we are all brothers and sisters under the same God. So let's look at the last verses of Obadiah. Obadiah 15 through 21. For the day of the Lord is near against all the nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. What you deserve will return on your your own head. As you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and gulp down and be as though they had never been. But there will be a deliverance of Mount Zion and it will be holy. The house of Jacob will, will disposes those who dispose them. Then the house of Jacob will be a blazing fire and the house of Jacob, uh, Joseph, sorry, a burning flame. But the house of Esau will be stubble. 
Jacob will set them on fire and consume Edom. Therefore, no survivor will remain in the house of Esau, of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. I feel like that's like a mic drop, like he just like boom, right? And in verse 19, 20, and 21, people from Negev will possess the hill of Esau. Those from the Judean footholds of foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will possess the territories of Ephraim and Samaria, while Benjamin will possess Gilead. The exiles of the Israelites who are in Halal and who are among the Canaanites are far from uh, Zarephath, as well as the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sephard, will possess the cities of Negev. Saviors will send Mount Zion to rule over the hill country of Esau, but the kingdom will be the Lord's. What are our takeaways for what we see of God and his character here? Number one, God protects his people. Look at what he's doing. He is protecting his people. God loves the humble and he takes up for them. We see this all through scripture. We also see that God is not finished yet. We were designed for paradise, but we, but we live in a sinful world that one day he will come back and get us. God's kingdom will reign forever and ever, and the Lord himself will always be king. And God will make right what needs to be made right. He is our righteous judge. God loves us enough to send his son to redeem us. So in closing, the opposite of pride or being proud of oneself is being humble. We see that all through scripture i tell you, one of the greatest uh, looks of pride, obviously, is, uh, I'm sorry, of humbleness, is Christ on the cross. But one of the greatest passages is in Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Verse 3, it says, consider yourselves better than yourselves. What a great way. You want to get rid of pride? Think of others better than yourself. Pride will melt away at times with, with just even having that mindset. The complete opposite is what we see in what Jesus has done. He was the perfect picture of humbleness. And I don't know if this is a word, but I'm making it up. He was pridelessness. Might be a word. Um, Sounds good. And because of him, he gives hope to the hopeless, healing to the hurting, and comfort to the brokenhearted. And as uh, your testimony was so well, she shared the gospel with you already. That's who we serve. That is King Jesus. So let me give you your last three things, your gospel responses. And these are questions, again, I'd love to sit with each one of you, talk some of this through, but I would ask you in your quiet time this week and in your prayer time and in your scripture time, just be thinking of these three questions. How has pride crept into your daily life? Only you know that. I know how it had creeps into my life at times. How has pride crept into your daily life? Do you think of others better than yourself? Or do you think of you better than others? Do you often have the mindset of, well, I know what's best for me. How has pride crept into your daily life? How has pride hurt your relationship with others? Am I right and they're wrong? They don't know what's best for me. 
uh, I'll show them, right? These kind of, we have these mindsets. How has pride hurt your relationship with others? And lastly, how has pride hurt your relationship with Christ? In Matthew, it says, come to me all who are weary. I am gentle and lowly at heart. Shouldn't we be pursuing and being led by the Holy Spirit to have the same heart of Christ, gentle and lowly? Are you allowing past hurts and pains to affect your walk with Christ? Let me leave you with this verse. Proverbs 11:2, and then I'll pray for you. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for uh, the strength of uh, being able to do this in three services. Lord, I thank you for uh, not crushing me in my prideful ways, but instead loving me and caring for me well. Father, I know that you are doing the same for others. Father, would we continue to walk closely with you? Would we continue to walk humbly with you, Father? We want you to be near to us, not far from us. So, Father, I I lift this up for each one of us. If we are struggling with pride, Father, will you bring it to our attention this week? And will you continue to love and care for us and work with us as we get rid of those prideful ways, Father? Thank you, Lord. I love you, and I lift this up to you in your son's holy, precious name. Amen. Of the goodness of God.
Thank you, church. Uh, thank you for being here and worshiping with us, and thank you for the challenge, Pastor Bill. Um, if you will, you can take a seat if you will, uh, and check out this video. We're going to try it one more time from the Sharp family. In March of 2022, the Sharp family started coming to WBC. We got to meet Chris and Lindsay and their family, Noah, Addie, CJ, Zach, Olivia, Hannah, Sophia, and Felicity. Uh, it was during that time that the protesters were gathering across the street uh, during our church services. And I remember one Sunday after church, Lindsay came down and she shared with me her passion and her heart for uh, adoption and pushing back against um, abortion throughout the nation. And it was in those moments that I realized uh, how great of a witness and um, person Lindsay was in the kingdom of God. And I was super excited about learning more about who she was and what she was doing and, and coming alongside her to help her accomplish what God has called her to do. Um, and, you know, a few weeks later, we were in, in the middle of a service and I asked a question. Uh, we were talking about resurrection and I said something to Sin of, what does the, the resurrection do for us? And I remember, and I'll never forget this, this is one of the most impactful things in my ministry. Little Hannah responded, she said, uh, in the middle of the church service, she, she raises up and says, he brings us into heaven with him. 
And I'll never forget that moment because I didn't understand exactly what was going on. I didn't know that a couple days uh, before that, her mom, Lindsay, uh, had passed away in a tragic uh, complication uh, from a routine surgery. And um, I wanted to read from, to you a, a little bit about Lindsay that uh, Chris was willing to share with us. Lindsay Sharp was a loving wife and mother, and she went home to be with the Lord on April 14, 2022. Her passing was unexpected while she was at Walter Reed Hospital following complications from routine surgery. Lindsay loved life and lived every minute to the absolute fullest. Lindsay loved adventures, Diet Coke, and late night trips to Target. Taking her kids to the aquarium was always a favorite activity. Her incredible faith, love, and strength were poured into her family and friends. As an active duty Army wife and mom, she had friends and loved ones around the world. Lindsay's smile and laugh brought joy to everyone around her. Lindsay and Chris were foster and adoptive parents and brought love and stability to more than 30 precious children. Lindsay had a heart for special needs children and children who had experienced trauma. She helped guide other foster parents and advocated for and fiercely loved children who needed a family. Lindsay had a passion for all living things and brought home a plethora of furry creatures and enjoyed teaching her children to help care for them. It wasn't ever a surprise to see her bottle feeding a baby goat or pig or kitten. Her motto in life was to be able to say, she hath done what she could. And she certainly did do everything she could to show love and compassion to everyone around her. Uh, we learned a lot about uh, Lindsay in those moments and we've learned a lot about Lindsay since those moments. And I'll never be able to share all of the stories that the family knows about her. And I only wish I got to see some of the glimpses of how God used her. Uh, but I do get to see a little bit through her children. And let me tell you something, our staff has fallen in love with the Sharp family and the kids. They are the ones who carry on the torch of Christ-like living that Lindsay was able to show them. And as much as we're going to miss the Sharp family, uh, we are thankful to have been able to love them during this difficult season. And so, church, I want to ask you to continue to pray uh, for the Sharp family as they move back closer to family. Uh, we love you guys. We, uh, we support you 100% in this move and hope to be able to continue to come alongside you from a distance. Yeah, so church, we're just asking that you would continue to pray for the Sharp family. We were able to pray for them at the 930 service. Pastor Bill, I, myself, and a couple other people from inside the church were able to lay hands on them as they go out. And so keep praying for them and what God's going to do for them and uh, as they move back across America to be closer to family. Um, again, we love you. We're thankful you're here. Connect with ministry. Connect with serving. Whatever way uh, God has for you uh, because we want to be one big family. And uh, we're, we're losing part of our family, but we're sending them. Uh, with prayers and with love. So, uh, church, remember you're sending Mr. Darkness to light it up. We'll see y'all next week. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.